the purpose of the biography of Yahweh is to push us to get to know God better. I want to, I'm not done. I need to get to know God better. Just when I think I got it all figured out and I know him, well, then, you know, the Lord has his ways of, of telling me that I don't know everything, that I'm, all, I'm not all that, that um, he has a really kind way of showing me that knowledge puffs up. But if you want to get to know God, and if you want God to get to know you, you must love God. And so let's get to know him a little bit better. Let's, let's, let's go into a, a deeper journey and then a deeper look. Last week, I, I encouraged you, I challenged you to study who God is through the scriptures. Study God. Who is he? What is his character? What is his nature what are his attributes it's so vital that we know who god is today we're talking about prayer getting to know god through prayer and in order to pray well you need to know who you are praying to and this is a relevant topic because well we have things that compete in our world for the affections of God. Or, although we don't have gods that are uh, in competition with Christianity, we have made other gods and other idols in our image that, that we choose to worship instead. We, we worship at the gate of entertainment, or we worship at the at the foot of politics, you name it, we can make a God to anything. You can even make a God of yourself. So easy to do these days. What I have noticed in my own personal prayer life and what I've witnessed in church life is that sometimes prayer gets a little skewed away from just a pure communication with God. Either we're working ourselves up or we're, we're praying our will instead of God's will. There's a little, maybe, like a, there's a little bit of manipulation in our prayer. And so this is what we're going to, we're going to talk about, okay, who are we praying to and what is his nature and what are his, his characteristics? There's a lot. And frankly, I could spend months and months just on the topic of prayer, but specifically what God showed me is a couple of character traits of God that I think we need to unpack to know him better and again to make sure that we know who we are praying to and that there is a proper relationship and reverence to God okay all right you ready hang on to your seats for a second because this is this is a tough one there's there's three character traits that we're going to be talking about today about the nature and, and personality of who God is. The first one is jealousy. Second one is anger. And I'm going to save the third for last. This is, these are topics that we, uh, when I say we, 
the American preacher does not address often. I really can't even think the last time I talked about God being a jealous God or God being an angry God or God pouring out his wrath. Okay, you guys okay? You still want to be here? Okay, this, this bear with me, okay? Because if, you are, if you're jumping into the scriptures, if you accepted the challenge to get to know God better through his words, you're going to read over and over and over again that God is a jealous God and that God is, God's anger is burning and that his wrath is going to be poured out. You're going to see that a lot. And so I just want to define it for us. Because we might have an unhealthy, toxic view of what those godly attributes are. Let me read you specifically one that comes out that kind of says, you know, well, who God is. This is Nahum chapter 1, verse 2, if you want to follow along. The Word of God says that the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Because that's some heavy stuff, right? Again, this is stuff that when you're reading your Bibles, you usually skip over or you glaze over. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to deal with it. Because from our perception, these are negative traits. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. From a worldly, from a man's perspective, jealousy and anger and rage are negative traits. But from God's perspective, from a divine perspective, they are altogether something different. They're even good. They're even, this is going to be hard to swallow and hard to reconcile, but maybe we'll get there today. They're even expressions of God's love. Now, if you take God and if you boil him down, you boil down pure theology, pure theology says is that God is good. And everything that he does is good and for our benefit. The Gospel of John says something very short and profound and powerful. And it says that God is love. So that is our baseline when we're going to delve into these two topics that seem very negative and actually counterculture to the way that we live our lives as American Christians. So let's just start off with that, with that platform that God is love. Yeah? Can we do that? And God is good. That's the platform. Now let's go into these negative traits and let's take a look at them, not from our perspective, but let's take a look at them from God's perspective. God is a jealous God? For real? We actually sang about that. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his, what is it, wind and mercy? Wind and mercy. 
So he's he, and again over and over again he says, "I'm a jealous God. I don't want to. I don't want to share with you with anyone else." And immediately from how we have been taught about jealousy and how we've experienced it and how we have been jealous creatures ourselves, it's it's a hard one to interpret. Because again, jealousy is a negative human attribute. For example, when I was dating my wife, Mako, I just, I still am. But you remember when you first started dating and you're completely obsessed? Just and enraptured, like I had to be around her all the time. Like I just wanted, I wanted to be with her. Smitten. And once I started to get to know her better and our lives began to mesh and our social circles, we began to cross over in social circles. So she began to meet my weird friends and I began to meet her nerdy friends. And, you know, our lives started to begin to come together. We began to learn history, past history. Like, well, I learned who she used to have a crush on. Like she had the hots for this guy. And the problem was that she still worked with him, and I figured out that, that she liked him. I don't know if they really dated. I know that they hung out. I guess I, that's code for something, right? Um, but once I began to, 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 to learn this history, uh, then then the jealousy begins to seep in a little bit, right? Yeah? Am I the only one that's experienced this? I just remember like, oh man, I don't know where this feeling is coming from. It's kind of icky. And then I just let my mind go and I, I just started going into dark places. Why? Because, well, this guy was tall, dark, and handsome. And he had an awesome job. And he dressed nice, and he was popular with everybody that he was around. And so the, the initial impulse of like, you know what, I don't want to share my wife with this guy, got, turned into something completely different. It got greener, and it grew arms and legs and big eyes and fangs. I began to develop this, this, this monster inside of me that was this jealous beast. Social circles crossed, and we were at a fundraising event at the university, and he was at our table. Now, in my mind, we were no longer at a fundraising event for a good cause. In my mind, we are now at the dog park, and I'm the big dog, <laughs> right? And I, I don't know what came upon me. I, I don't know. The spirit of Beelzebub or something. Something came upon me, and I trashed this guy verbally. And I made fun of him, like, publicly. So bad, in fact, that my wife had to pull me aside. <laughs> Again, that then, girlfriend. She had to pull me aside. Like, what's the matter with you? And if you know my wife, there was probably some other adjectives <laughs> in that mix. She's like, what's the matter with you? What, 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 are you, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, 
I hate that guy. It's really silly, right? But this is the thing about human jealousy. Human jealousy, when, when you begin to want what other people have, that's one thing, right? So I wanted to be tall, dark, and handsome. By the way, he's not tall, dark, and handsome anymore. He's just tall, ugly, and bald. So, um, <laughs> you know, my, my, this full head of hair here. And I got... <laughs> so whenever Mika wants to run her fingers through my hair, I can even take my shirt off and she can run her fingers through my... <laughs> I got, uh, sorry, folks, we're lightening the mood here. So we're talking about jealousy and wrath. Okay. So I'm just like, hate that guy. Okay, so I wanted his looks. I wanted his job. I wanted his social position. I wanted his car right? I wanted the perceived perceptions that my then-girlfriend had towards him. I wanted what he, what he had, yeah? The monster gets even bigger when the contempt is projected on the individual who has the things that you want. So not only did I not want the things, like, I wanted to get into a dogfight with this guy and show him who's boss, right? That's the, the contempt toward the individual was the thing that made the monster really, really bad. Bad Pastor Josh, right? I have good news. Our Lord is not like me or you. So when the Lord gets jealous, he does not hold his children in contempt. It is a pure form of jealousy that says, my heart is for you, and I want your heart to be for me. The jealousy forms from a place of love and affection rather than a position of insecurity and fear. Right? And so, God's jealousy is nothing like your jealousy or my jealousy or a man's jealousy. He, he, wants a, he wants an intimate connection with you and you alone, and he does not want to share you with another man. That's a police song, by the way. Roxanne, you should listen to it. <laughs> doesn't want to share you with another man. I think that that impulse actually is good. Because it's a godly... It's a divine view of jealousy and of love and maybe of disappointment. On the other side of the coin, if I would be like, yeah, I'm just go hang out with that guy, I don't care. Go to the Candlelight Pavilion and go to the movies afterwards and maybe go, after, go over to his house and you guys can eat strawberries you know, dipped in chocolate or something. Like, I'm, I'm completely okay with that. We're an open relationship, and I, yeah, it's no big deal. Could you imagine if I had no emotional response for somebody that's trying to take my woman away from me? Yeah? Does that make sense? Do you realize that there are spiritual forces and principalities that want to take you away from your love? That, that want to seduce you away from a pure relationship with God? 
And God loves you so much, and it doesn't come from a place of insecurity. He, 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 is, um, he is not a stalker like Sting from the police. He doesn't need to have your love to validate him. He just loves and cares for you. So his jealousy is completely different than our jealousy. And, and I want you to see that next time you're reading through the scriptures and, and you see this, God says, I'm a jealous God and I'm not going to put up with this stuff. Coming from, an at, from a position and a platform of love only where my platform, again, is insecurity and fear. That's how good our God is. Let's talk about anger. Over and over and over again, God's saying, I'm kind of angry about this. He doesn't say, I'm kind of angry about it. He says, I'm angry about this. I'm angry about this. I'm angry about that. I'm angry about what you've done. Like, it's, it's, it's everywhere in the scriptures. But God's anger is not like our anger. It's completely different. So yesterday, I was a little sideways. I was at the hospital with the Van and Freehoffs, and that was emotionally difficult. Then I had to go to Los Angeles. I didn't want to go to Los Angeles. I had to do something I didn't want to do. For all of you that commute, I don't know how you guys do it. And this is just a Saturday. God bless your hearts. I think I would lose my salvation if I had to be in traffic like that. I was in you know, the Hollywood area, and after I had, took care of my business, and again, I'm a little sideways, right? Emotionally, I'm not quite there. My prayer to God's not landing because I'm driving in the car and people are trying to run me off the road. Like, I thought traffic in Claremont was bad. Like, out there in Los Angeles, it's like Mad Max world. It's like some post-apocalyptic thing where hipsters are driving around with chainsaws. It's just bizarre. I don't know how you do it. So my nerves are a little on edge just driving in that traffic on a Saturday. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm all stressed out. I need to self-medicate. Blue Star Donuts is only five miles away. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. For those of you you don't know, Blue Star Donuts is like this bougie, hipster donut place, and they infuse their donuts with crack. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall off the wagon. I'm gonna eat some donuts. I'm gonna buy a dozen and bring them home to my family because I bring home the bacon. Um, bring home the bacon-covered donuts. And again, it's only five miles away from where I was, but it took me forever to get there. And again, there, people are trying to run me off the road. It took me forever to find a parking spot. Like around and around the neighborhoods, over and over again. I mean, I thought my nerves were bad at first. Now they're really bad. So I finally score a parking lot. I have to walk a block and a half, let's just exaggerate, it was like five blocks, I had to walk five blocks to get to the donut store, and I walk up, grab the handle, and it, 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 it what, what, 
And I look on, there's a sign on the door, and it literally says, sorry customers, but we can't get anybody to work the donut shop these days. And I lost it. <laughs> I mean, I just lost it. And I'm in, I'm in a public space. And I grab both of these, both of the handles. I'm like, no! And I said this out loud. I mean, people are like, what's the matter with this guy? And that, that door suffered the wrath of Kapczynski. So angry. Where does that come from? It comes from my inner two-year-old that doesn't get what he wants. That, that's, a, that's a different kind of anger than God's anger. Whenever we don't get our way and we lose our temper or we get stuck in traffic or our food doesn't come fast enough and you lose your temper and you get angry, that is not righteous indignation. That's this childish behavior. Maybe you've noticed this in the current situation in the culture that we're living in right now. If you, if you go out to eat, it's not just the donut shop that doesn't have help. It's most restaurants are struggling to find people to, to work. There's the great irony, right? And so you might be, you know, going back out in the world and, and eating dinner out again, but your food might be coming a little slower than normal. And I, I, maybe it's just me, but I have seen patrons treat the help so bad. It's like they're pouring out their wrath on the server. And, and for why? Because because your steak didn't come fast enough? Because your, you know, your service wasn't as good as it was post-COVID? I mean, this is a really good indication of where we are at as a culture when we just lose our stuff and we pour out our wrath on somebody that's just trying to get by, that actually has the character and drive to do a job instead of taking aid. And then we treat them like garbage. The good news is, is that's nothing like God's anger and God's wrath. Because God's anger is directed towards one very specific person or spirit. It is the spirit of evil and it is the person of Satan. God's anger is directed specifically at evil and injustice. Not because he's impatient. Not because God didn't get his way. Not because we weren't nice to him. He doesn't care about that stuff. What, what makes God's heart burn with anger is that injustice is taking place. And nothing is, nothing, we're not helping them out with the problem. Trying to contemplate and see God as an angry, wrathful God might be a little of a bit of an insecurity and like, oh, I don't know if I want to serve an angry God. Well, I think that you actually do. Let's go back to the dog park. Say you take your dog to the dog park and a bunch of puppies running around. 
some crazy guy jumps the fence and starts kicking puppies. How would you feel if you saw somebody just kicking puppies or juggling kittens? Like, how's that going to make you feel? Like, if you saw somebody just like, like you know, punch a kid in the face, what, what's, your, what's your emotional response going to be? Are you just going to be, ah, I can't get angry because angry is a, is a, is a negative emotion. Oh, I, I think we need to respond. And that's how God is. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's a good Heavenly Father that protects His children and that fights evil and steps in and will pour out His wrath on His enemies because He can't just sit back in the dog park and let injustice take place. Isn't that a good God? That's the kind of God I want to serve. I, I don't want to serve a passive God. Now, I bring up these two points because, again, these are, these are the nature and the character of God that, again, most preachers don't preach about, including myself. But when you want to get to know God better, you need to get, you, you need to, get to know what, what makes him burn, what makes him jealous, how he functions, and that he is, he is not anything, anything like us. Here's the third point. God's a jealous God. God's an angry God that pours out his wrath. Here's the good news. God is also a compassionate God. He's a gracious God. He, like, I'm not necessarily a gracious person, but God is. He's a gracious God. Okay, so where my donut fuse was about that, that long, right? God is slow to anger. He, he says it over and over again that God is slow to anger. He's ready to love, and he's ready to forgive. We've been talking about Moses in Exodus 34. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a pinnacle of a, of, a, of a moment. This is the moment when God gives him the ten, gives Moses the Ten Commandments. He's gone into a personal relationship. Like Moses meets Yahweh, gives him the Ten Commandments, comes down off the hill, and Aaron and a bunch of other idiots decide that they're going to make a golden calf and worship it. They're, they're making another god. This is the response in that setting. And the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B, which translates into Yahweh, the personal name of God, God that wants to get personal with you, descended in a cloud and stood there with him. And he proclaimed his name, the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of Moses, and he called out, Lord, the Lord God is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger abounding in love and abounding in devotion and faithfulness, maintaining loving devotion to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, forgiving transgressions, forgiving sins. Psalms 103, this theme comes up over and over again. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteth in mercies. For the Lord art good and ready to forgive 
rich in mercy. Psalms 130, let Israel hope in the Lord, for the Lord there is mercy, and with him redemption. Psalms 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is slow to anger, great in mercy. Joel 2.13, rend your heart, not your garments. Let's go after the inner person, not not all the things that are affecting you on the outside. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in kindness. Repent from evil. Jonah 4.2 And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray to thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was in my country? Therefore I fled, for I knew that you were, great, you were a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. So you get the idea. So when you're reading through the scriptures and you're reading, oh, God's angry, God's angry, God's angry, open your eyes to see how many times where it says that God is good and merciful that he's slow to anger. See, I want you to see your book as a balanced book. He loves you and he cares for you. And he's extremely personal. Now, we are talking about the issue of prayer. Yesterday, after my sideways day, you know, after grieving with the family, getting stuck in traffic, losing my stuff at the donut shop, <laughs> sitting in more traffic, I'm like, okay, I'm not in a good spot. I'm having a hard time having a conversation with God. So I literally had to put myself in an atmosphere of prayer, and I'm, I just, just drove over to the Pasadena House of Prayer, and I sat there for an hour, and it felt really good, and I was able to talk to God. Yeah? Sometimes when I'm in prayer, I, 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 I lift my hands like this to receive from God. When I'm very thankful for what God has done, I might raise my hands like this, meaning that I need to get my body or my environment into the right position to pray. Sometimes when I'm having a hard time praying, one of the best tools we have is actually your scripture. You can actually pray that stuff. You don't have to just read it. You don't have to just study it. You don't have to just memorize it. You can get the book out, and you can say, okay, I'm going to pray this scripture. When you walked into the church today, there's a scripture on the wall by Jesus. It's also a quote from the Shema, from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. My friends, that's a prayer. So if you are not feeling very balanced, that's a prayer that you pray to bring balance back into your soul, back into your body, back into your psyche and your mind. You, it, they, the Jews pray it like all day long, and they stick it everywhere. They stick it on their doors. They, they tie it on their foreheads. They stick it on their arms. You can't go to a hotel in Israel without having that, walking by that prayer on a hotel door room. It's everywhere. Pray the scriptures. Like, I'm all right even if... In order to get yourself to talk to God, I'm all right even if you get a rosary and start counting off beads or whatever. The thing that, the, the thing that you need to get is whether it's a rosary bead or whether it is going to the Pasadena House of Prayer, or whether you're, you're, you're trying to get yourself in position, what we can't do is we can't make it superstitious 
And you can't work yourself up in order to manipulate God through what you want to say or what you want God to do for you. Whatever it takes to have a real conversation with God is what I'm getting at. Like a real, a real talk with God. Like that, that's, that's the premise and that's the basis of prayer is to have a conversation with the divine. And he wants to talk to you. Now again, like I might have to lift my hands and I might have to read through scripture. I might have to do all, I might have to get myself right so that I can pray. But here's the amazing thing about God is that he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. He doesn't have to work himself up to pray with you, to talk with you. He just picks up the phone. Like we think we're picking up the phone. It's not true. He's picking up the phone. He's calling you. He is reaching out to you. And he wants to talk. However you get there, just pick up the phone, folks. He wants to talk. He wants to talk to you like a real person. And just like any romantic relationship or friendship, he's excited to do so. Sometimes when we pray, we're just not excited about connecting with God. But no, God's excited to to talk to you. Years ago, Back in college, I was doing my, my uh, senior paper on trade patterns and migration routes in the 5th millennium B.C. between the Indus Valley, Egypt, and Mesopotamia. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and... My big idea is that I thought before the ancient civilizations began to develop, they were actually trading culture before they developed. Turns out it was true. I should be famous right now. Before there was an internet, there's things called libraries. Young people, anybody younger than me, there's a thing called a library. In order for you to do research, you had to get in your car and drive to the library and then you had, you had to like check out books. You couldn't do any research online. It was all analog. It was all old school. And so I was really excited about my, I was excited about this paper because I, I had some really good ideas and proof that I could prove this thing. And there was this book that I had to get, which was uh, Ancient Cultures in the Levant, which is ancient Near East. So. I, my college didn't have it, so I drove up to UCSB, his alma mater. Um, drove up to UCSB because I knew they had it, and it wasn't there. Somebody else had checked it out. Ah, that's, it's like, how am I going to? I can't Google. I, I, need my, I need this book to do this research. So I come back to my dorm room. My roommate's there. And the book that I drove out there to get is sitting on his desk. I'm like, dude, I need that book. This is, this is, a, this is the exact book that I'm looking for. I need this book. Just let me borrow it. And he's like, all right, no problem. You can borrow it, but just do me one solid. You need to return it. It's due next week. I'm like, dude, no problem, man. I'll return it. Um, I spent most of my study time last night digging through my garage because it's in a book. It's in a box somewhere. I never returned that book. <laughs> so I still have it. And I, I was looking forever. I, again, I was like, I have to show everybody I still have this book, but I couldn't find it last night. But it's in a box somewhere in my garage. 
years later after college, connected with my friend, picked up the phone. I was excited to reconnect with him. He was excited to reconnect with me. We start talking about the good old days. And then he says, Josh, I have a bone to pick with you. What are you talking about? So we we got we to take care of some business before, before we hang out, before we go pick up chicks again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. So we got to take care of some business. I have a bone to pick. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with our relationship. Like, oh my gosh, what did I do this time? And he says, "You never returned that book to the library, and I had to pay for it." Now, I felt bad, right? Sort of. Um, <laughs> no, I felt bad. But I value the honesty. And he loved me so much to tell me that he had a bone to pick with me. Why? Because he wanted to preserve the relationship. If he would have just been like, eh, I don't care. I paid it off, whatever. Um, you think that he'd still want to be a friend with me? So, but we went there and we took care of the business. I apologized. I repented. I repented of an offense that I did years ago and I forgot about. So, the next time you pray, I want to encourage you to pick up the phone to go into a relationship with a good, loving, heavenly Father that is compassionate, kind, full of mercies, and yet He just might have a bone to pick with you. Because there was a certain offense Maybe a certain evil that you did not confess or take care of. And God can't go further into a relationship with us until we confess those things. See, he's already paid the price. He's already paid the book off, yeah? Isn't that an amazing thing about our God? He's already paid it. He's already paid our fees. And yet, it is not for his benefit that we confess our sins. Whose benefit is it for? It's for our benefit that we are transparent enough with God in order to say, okay, God, forgive me of this. And he's so cool, he says, okay, and he wipes it away where it doesn't exist anymore. That is how good and gracious and loving our Heavenly Father is. One more scripture. This is Psalms 66, verse 16. Come and listen. Come and listen. Pick up the phone. All you who fear God. Let me tell you what He has done for me. I cried out to Him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. Now, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. 
So what, what he's getting at is this area of harboring sin, of being okay with sin, justifying sin. Well, if, if we cherish that stuff, God can't listen to us because we're saying, God, we don't want you to listen. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. I praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. So there needs to be a healthy respect towards a loving, caring, all-powerful God. And, and when you pray, again, I don't, whatever method you need to, to have a conversation with God, just get there. But this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to get your Bible out, and you don't want to rub it like it's the genie's bottle, right? And then your, your genie Jesus pops out, and you just ask whatever you want. That's not the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. That, he's a jealous God. He's not going to share you with the gods of your desires. Nor do you want a Jesus Santa that just gives you gifts all the time. He, he, he's calling you into a deeper relationship where it is communicable. It is saying, let's go there. Let's go deeper. What he's saying is you can't go any further until you love me with all of your heart in these areas of your life that you haven't fully given over to me. I want you all to think about the jealousy of God from his perspective, not your perspective. Maybe ask yourself, God, what are you jealous of these days? Where am I sharing you with another man? I want you to think about the anger of God. And then I want you to think about the work that he's done on the cross and what the price that he's paid for you. For me, now, when I think about his jealousy, when I think about his wrath, it makes this more important and more powerful in my life. More balanced. God is good. God is love. And he loves me and you so much, he's not willing to let us stay where we are at. He's calling us in to a deeper relationship. We're going to receive communion now. So grab your element. And what I want you to see this time when we take our elements is that God being the good, loving, heavenly Father, He's going to come in and rescue and yes, punish evil. God punishes evil by pouring out His wrath upon evildoers. And I get that. I look at the world and I see all the evils going on. I'm like, yeah, that deserves God's wrath. 
that deserves God's judgment for sure. Get him, God. Burn him. And then the Lord says, hey, Josh, I got a bone to pick with you. Let's, let's just deal with this so my wrath doesn't hit you as well. Like, okay. And so what he does on the cross, the body of Christ, is that God's wrath for evil and injustice, every evil thing that I've done, every unjust thing that I've committed, every library book that I did not return, every puppy that I've kicked, God's wrath, when I take this, is being poured out on Christ's body and not me. That's a pretty good deal. So, his wrath must be poured out, and yet he chose to pour out his wrath upon his only son so that you and I could pick up the phone and be reconciled to a loving Heavenly Father. So receive the body of Christ. So good. So yesterday at the donut store, I was a sinner. Today I'm a saint. Why? Because without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And when we take upon this cup, we get the forgiveness of our sins, and it, it purifies us. It literally washes us as pure snow. It even, in the blood, in this cup, there's even healing. We believe there's physical healing in the cup, so you drink this cup, you just might be physically healed as you sit right now. But there's also emotional healing. If you have that green, ugly, jealousy monster, well, it just might wash him away. Forgiveness of your sin. If you have an anger, rage monster, well, it just might just wash it away. It will. It's God's promise that he washes away all of our sins and he remembers them no more. And so when you take of this cup, remember your sin and its power over you no more. It doesn't exist after you drink this today. But if you do it again, just come back next week and we'll take care of you again. Come on. Each and every Sunday... The Lord is calling you to take care of business and get better and better each and every day. More and more like Him. It only happens at His table. So receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh my gosh, that's good too. And sing us a song. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. As far as the east is from the west, 
That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. All right, why don't, you, um, why don't you receive? Put yourself in a position to receive. Pick up the phone. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be merciful and gracious to you, slow to anger. May the Lord turn to you in your times of need when you come to him with requests, with heavy laden prayers. May he turn to you in your times of grief. May he bless you. Bless you with a peace that transcends your home life, stress, and drama your work tensions, your financial needs. May the peace of God come into every part as you worship him, not just today, but on Monday morning. He wants to have a real conversation with you to show you his love and his peace. And he's a jealous God, and he's not going to share you with another man. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Breathe.